Hey, welcome back, my friends, once again to Tips from the Server Room. This is episode number 107 for January the 19th, 2016. I'm your host, Jack. I'll be guiding you into, through, and back out of the world of system administration, network administration, and all fields of IT. This show is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Check out all the great tech shows at techpodcast.com. Don't forget, we're also syndicated once again across Stitcher.com. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R.com, where you can pick up this show as well as many other genres out there. You can download your app, download their app today for your smartphone, either iOS or Android. Please check out my website if you have time at tipsfromtheserverroom.com, where you can comment on these shows. You can also leave me a voice message at 724 724- 7010550 Once again that's 7247010550 If you have any questions or ideas for future shows I would love to hear from you and you can email me at jackstechcorner@gmail.com and you can also follow me on Twitter as at @technoman where you get all those great little snippets that I find through the day through the week and through the month about technology and sometimes some other things but hey I won't bore you on uh, Twitter, and actually, when you follow me on Twitter, you will actually be following my blog post also that I tend to write up every now and then at Jack's Tech Corner. So if you want to look at a great blog and get some uh, interesting technology stuff, uh, you know, there's a good place to get it. And I know there's tons of places to get technology stuff, right? All over the world, we can get technology stuff uh, all over the internet. There's so many podcasts out there, and they're really good, um, you know, but I hope that you see me as one of the ones that you want to listen to in your car on the way to work. Or don't forget, uh, I do record these now and put them on YouTube. And you can find us at 42Technoman. That's the number four, the number two, Technoman. Or if you just search for Jack's Tech Corner, you will find it there. Tonight I thought we would talk about uh, something that's been uh, pestering me here or bugging me uh, kind of. A little bit in and out, and that is intrusion prevention. Now, this is just another measure to keep out the bad guys to keep you sleeping a little easier at night. And I hope that you listen to these shows and, and uh, take heart to some of these podcasts that I do to find that that is what I like to do. I like to um, just making sure we're still recording there <clears throat> just to make sure that, you know, you're able to sleep a little bit easier at night because, you know, that's why we talk about backups so much. Uh, we're going to be going into one. I think we're going to talk about disaster recovery. These are things that we do. Uh, and I was just telling my wife the other day about backups. And I told her we have a really good backup strategy at work. Uh, we use, I told you, we use the Barracuda backup, which is hands down the best, um, you know, setup and kind of, it just works. It simply works. And it sends all of our backups off site. I can restore those from anywhere in the world as long as I have an internet connection. So it's a great, great system. Uh, with Barracuda. Uh, I was actually talking to a sales rep Barracuda the other day, and he said, Jack, we need to we need to get more in touch with your show. If you're talking about us out there, you know, we need to uh, kind of incorporate maybe an ad or something with your show. And I said, wow, that would be pretty fantastic. But uh, but I tell you guys, not, not money that I make from these shows. Uh, I'm not making any money from the show anyway. I tell you guys this because I like to spread the word of something we use, and maybe it's something you can use in your network. So that's why I like to talk to you about this stuff and I like to bring it to your attention. 
So tonight we are going to talk about, as I said, intrusion uh, prevention and uh, trying to protect your network a little bit from the uh, outside evils that we have to deal with. So we're going to start off here, first of all, talking about what is uh, an intrusion detection system or IDS. So basically, it's a device or software application that monitors your network or systems activities for malicious activities and policy violations and produces electronic reports to management station. IDS comes in a variety of flavors and an approach the goal by detecting systems focusing on a goal by detecting suspicious traffic in different ways. There are network-based, I'll blow this up a little bit here. There are network-based security systems focusing on attacks that come from the inside of your network, authorized users. Some systems may attempt to stop an intrusion attempt by this, but this is neither required nor expected of a monitoring system. Intrusion detection and prevention systems, IDPS, are primarily focused on identifying possible incidents logging the information about them, and reporting attempts. In addition, organizations using IDPSES for other purposes, such as identifying problems with security policies, documenting existing threats, and deterring individuals from violating security policies. IDPSES, IDPSES, have become a necessary addition to the security infrastructure of nearly every organization. IDPES typically records information related to observed events, notify security administrators of important observed events, and produce reports. Many IDPS can also respond to a detected threat by attempting to prevent it from succeeding. There are several response techniques which involve IDPS stopping the attack itself changing the security environment, or reconfiguring firewall, or changing the attack's content. Now, with that said, there is a couple things we have to think about because I've learned over the years with any um, detection, intrusion detection. So you don't just want intrusion detection. I think that's the first phase that we have to go through. We also want to talk about the prevention or the deterring of that intrusion, what's going to happen. So we have to set our devices up where if it detects an intrusion, it's going to respond to that intrusion and it will take that intrusion and not only detect it and report it, it's also going to set up perimeters to prevent the attack from happening. Now, I was once asked by a CEO from a company I worked with and he told me, he said, look, Jack, he said, the truth is, um, if, if we buy this firewall, and I think at the time it was a Cisco 55-something, I'm sure. If we buy this firewall and set it up, then we'll never have any attacks on the network. And I said, well, you know, that's like saying if I lock my car doors, nobody will ever break a window and break into the car. Or if I lock my house, nobody will ever break in through a back window and crawl into my house and steal everything out of my house. We often say that we set up prevention to um, keep the good guys good. I guess is what we do, right? Because we lock our doors in the attempt that, you know, the good people are going to stay out of the car because the doors are locked anyway and they're not going to bother your car. Same here with networks. But with a network, we have to also remember and we have to think about this a little bit 
is to set the security up, we want it to respond where if there is an attack, it's going to change something. It's going to automatically reconfigure itself to keep out that attack. And usually this is done by just simply setting it up to maybe turn off a certain port because every attack on your network that I know of is going to come through a port, whatever port that is. Um, I was recently looking for, and I, I think I told you about this. We were talking at work about web filters. Um, now, our web filter is basically filtering traffic uh, for our student body. Or if you have it in a corporation, you are filtering traffic for the corporation itself. So what you'll do is you basically set up policies, and that's what you're doing with these intrusion detection devices. But on those policies, we have things set up in there such as ad blocking. So ad blocking, we want to block the ads at the beginning of our network, right? Right at the right at the uh, point of entry into the network, because all the ads are coming through on a certain port. They have to use a port to transmit. Unfortunately for us, that port is normally port 80. So a good web filter can actually detect ads and use an ad blocking technology, much like the plugins on your browsers, and they will block those ads from coming in. So what we're looking at here is doing is shutting down ports. Now, if somebody is trying to attack our network on port 80, then we have a little bit of a problem. But if you properly configure your web servers, and we could probably have a whole conversation about that, about uh, setting up your web servers, um, isolating the directories that the web server can actually see. That way, if an intruder does get in, all they're going to see is your web pages. They may deface a couple web pages, but they're not going to get to the bulk of your systems, maybe your uh, company's uh, secret files, uh, maybe a doctor's uh, private memos or a doctor's uh, patient, uh, patient charts. This is the stuff you have to think about, especially if you're consulting out there. If you're consulting for a company and you sign on to be their computer consultant, and they get attacked and something gets stolen. Well, you're also going to be liable for that. Uh, unless somewhere in your contract you write that you're not, chances are a good attorney out there will actually make you liable for that. And you have to answer to them for that. Because that's why we have all those HIPAA regulations that we have to deal with when we set up computer networks. And, um, you know, that is the basis of why you have to protect uh, the doctor's office. But you're going to have some stuff, some alerts that's going to happen. Um, a true positive is an attack. There'll be an alert. Now, a false positive is there's no attack and there can be an alert. A false negative, there's an attack and there's no alert. Or a true negative is there's no attack and no alert. So can you get an alert with a false positive? Actually, yes, you can. You can definitely get that. Uh, a false positive is something's happening on your network, and we recently found this out with the Chrome browser. Uh, the Chrome browser is apparently sending out, uh, I think it was called QIC. Uh, you guys might want to correct me if I was wrong. Uh, but what it's doing, it's sending out these packets, the Chrome browser, because apparently Google wants to have a very high uh, quality of service, or is it QOS? Quality of service. And they want to make sure web pages load quickly. So they devised a way to always make that web browser look for the quickest possible way to get to the server to bring back your web pages. When it does that, your firewalls are actually picking that up as a attack, as a, a DOS or a denial of service attack. When it does that, that is basically a false positive 
but the the firewall wants to act as an attack and it's going to alert you because it's getting pounded with the traffic all the time and it doesn't understand that traffic and that traffic is coming across UDP so the way we found that you get around that is you make sure you open UDP port on your outbound traffic for port 80 and also open UDP for port 443 if you do that then your firewall no longer sees it as malicious traffic it doesn't have to work as hard and it knows it's okay to leave that traffic out on the reverse side you want to block that traffic or deny that traffic coming back you don't need udp port 80 open on the on the outside coming in and you also do not need port 443 open on the way in so you can close those out so that's just a way we found to tell our firewall that hey this traffic's okay you don't have to work too hard and you know now it's a just a positive flow of traffic now there's some there's a lot of these on here and i'm not going to bore you with all these tonight uh, we'll go over a few of these um, so a true positive is a legitimate attack which triggers an ids to produce an alarm a false positive is an event signaling an IDS to produce an alarm when no attack, no attack has taken place, such as I was just told you about that UDP traffic. A false negative, when no alarm is raised, when an attack has taken place. So again, a false alarm is just no alarm happens, but an attack happens. That could be very disastrous, right? Something happens and you're not alarmed, you're not notified that you're getting attacked. A true negative, an event when no attack has taken place and no detection is made. So that sounds pretty positive. So no event happened and you weren't notified. Noise. Noise would be like some of this UDP stuff I was telling you about. Data or interference that can trigger a false positive or obscure a true positive. That can be noise. A site policy are guidelines within an organization that control the rules and configurations of the IDS. Now, site policy, site policy awareness, an IDE's ability, ability to dynamically change its rules and configurations in response to changing environmental activities. That's a mouthful. A confidence value, a value an organization places on an IDS based on past performance and analysis to help determine its ability to effectively identify an attack. Now, folks, this is one of those reasons. Now, I am not a forensics computer guy or a forensics network guy. So I could probably look at a stack of reports from the IDS and say it'd be like reading French or Spanish. The only thing you can pick up on is very, you know, predominant stuff that you would see every day, like a, a big attack on your web server. Uh, if you have an FTP server set up, which I hope you don't with all the shared services out there and cloud-based storage, you probably don't need it anymore. Uh, you know, that's a big hole. Uh, if you have SSH set up on your server so you can uh, telnet in, that's probably okay. If you have telnet set up so you can remote in, that's probably not okay. Um, we prefer to use services, uh, outside services such as LogMeIn, uh, or one of the web-based services that you can get to your computers and they have that they have that shield of security on their end so they know who you are when you're going in to reach your actual desktop computer in your network. Uh, it's safer that way. 
it's even to me, it's even safer than turning on RDP and giving an outside IP address and allowing your users to remote in with remote desktop uh, without using a VPN. That would be bad because you're leaving those holes in your network. Anytime we take a firewall, and I wanted to do a show some night on firewall and traffic uh, because I spend a lot of time in the firewall and watching and maintaining traffic and understanding traffic patterns uh, through our network. But when you're setting up your firewall, you have to be very, very careful of what port you open. Sometimes what people will do is we have one company out there that wants to use, I think it's called PC Anywhere. I'm pretty sure they're using PC Anywhere. Well, they want us to open up a any any port into the server so they can just get in there freely whenever they want to. And I said, well, that's all well and good. I said, but what port is it on? And they told me, so what I did was I set up a static outside IP address and I static that to the inside uh, IP address of that particular server that they need to get to. And I even narrowed it down to the particular network card that they're coming in on so I know exactly where that traffic's going. And then what I did was I did an EQ or equals, and I did it for the, uh, the port number for PC Anywhere. So they can only use PC Anywhere to log in to that particular server. I just think it's a better way to do that. Whenever you use EQ or equals the port number, only that port number can be opened up and allow that traffic to come in. On the same note, if it has to be a two-way communication street, we have to open up that same port to, or sometimes it's another port, to allow the traffic to go from that computer back out to that organization. And when you do that, what you want to do is only allow it to go back to their outside IP address at that company. This way you know that they are the only ones authorized to come through on that port and use that. Now, can somebody spoof their IP address? I guess maybe they can. Um, you know, I mean, you could spoof a MAC address and figure out an IP address. It would take a lot more work to do that uh, for the everyday normal hacker. They probably don't want to go through all that hassle to get in there and do that. But it's just another layer of protection um, because all of the intrusion detection in the world um, can, de you know, it will detect, it will notify you. But at the end of the day, uh, you want to make sure that you're not detecting intrusions. Right. We don't want to be going through reports every day detecting intrusions. Now, here's one here. Attack, attacker or intruder. An entity which tries to find a way to gain unauthorized access to information and inflict harm or engage in other malicious activities. Now, a masquerader. This is one we talked about. A person who attempts to gain unauthorized access to the system by pretending to be an authorized user. This is generally, they are generally outside users. So that's what I was just saying. You can mask a IP address. So if they would mask an IP or if they would mask a net mask, uh, not a net mask, excuse me. Uh, if they would mask the computer identifier, then they can definitely try to gain access coming through there. So that's just something to think about in the long run um, because, you know, it can happen. You want to be able to catch that. So we're going to go down here to network intrusion detection systems. Now, the NIDS are placed at a strategic point or points within the network to monitor traffic to and from all devices on your network. Now, we're looking at the internal network 
to see if any of those have malicious activity going on. I'll tell you a story about that. It performs an analysis of passing traffic to the entire subnet that matches the traffic that it passes on all subnets to the library of known attacks. Once an attack is identified or abnormal behavior is sensed, the alert can be sent to the administrator. An example of an I of an NIDS would be installing it on the subnet where firewalls are located in order to see if someone is trying to break into the firewall. Um, ideally, one would scan all inbound and outbound traffic. However, doing so might create a bottleneck that would impair the overall speed of the network. OPNet and NetSim are commonly used tools for simulation network intrusion detection systems. NID systems are also capable of comparing signatures for similar packets to link and drop harmful detected packets, which have a signature matching the records in the, I, in the NIDS. When we classify the designing of the NIDS according to the system interactivity property, there are two types, online and offline NIDS. Online NIDS deals with the network in real time and it analyzes the Ethernet packet and applies it to some rules to decide if it's an attack or not. Offline NIDS deals with stored data and passes it on some processes to decide if it's an attack or not. So in looking at that, a lot of people don't understand intrusion detection. We often think of intrusion detection as one of those that we are detecting the outside network traffic coming in. We're looking for intrusions. Well, what about outrusions? I guess our network has a lot of computer systems on it, right? And we also, many companies out there in schools are doing BYOD or bring your own device. So a kid brings their laptop in and there's something on that laptop, some malicious software, and it's starting to send packets out of your network. As it's bursting them packets out, you want to have an intrusion detection system, but I like to call it an out, outward detective system because you're looking at packets now leaving your network to go to the internet. You want to kill those packets at the gate, right? At the default gateway, whatever that is, kill those packets, drop those packets, and not allow them to go out. Let me tell you a story about that. So some years ago, when I started with the current school that I'm at now, we had a a, a computer on the network that somehow somebody got malicious software on there and it started become, it became a bot machine. It started sending out spam emails and the user had no idea. It was just doing it on the computer. I'm sure the computer was running slower. It would have to be because I got a call from the internet provider. So look, Jack, we are detecting a very high uh, volume of emails coming out of your network. We are looking at about 5,000 emails per minute. And I said, wow, that's, that's pretty bad. 5,000 emails a minute. And they said, yeah. They said, now you have, I don't know what he gave me, 12 hours to detect which computer it is to shut it down or we're going to cut your internet connection from the backbone. And I said, well, that's not a good idea. We're not, we don't want to lose our internet connection to the backbone. And um, I uh, see that the camera locked up again, which it does occasionally. So we're going to try to reset that camera here. Um, anyway, 
So anyway, we found out that the actual, um, bring it back over here now. The actual, there we go. So anyway, for some reason, the actual um, computer system itself was sending these 5,000 emails out per minute. So naturally, we got Wireshark out. We started scanning our network. We started looking for all these problems uh, to see where this was actually happening at. And we found out that where it happened at, uh, well, we didn't find out So because there's too many computers on the network. So what we did was in the end there, we came across and we decided that we were going to actually take and go to the firewall and I denied port 25 traffic. So I shut down port 25 traffic and when I shut that down, all the emails stopped. So it told us right away that it was going out on an SMTP built into that computer, uh, whatever malicious software, it set up to an SMTP server on that computer and it was sending it out, luckily on the default port 25. Now you might say, well, Jack, that's all well and good, but I use Outlook and we use port 25 and you may, but we use Google apps and I think Google apps uses port. I can't remember. I think it's 585 for SMTP. So it didn't bother us at all. Plus we use the web interface. So we're just sending our email through the Google web interface. So it didn't bother us at all to do that. But anyway, I just wanted to send that out there to you that it can happen. You can't have something in your network trying to get out that you might want to have to kill. Uh, and it would be nice to be able to detect that early on. Now, let's just talk here briefly about comparison with firewalls because some people get this mixed up. And I know I did. I thought my firewall, my 5510, uh, 55, no, 5505 is what we have or 5510, whichever. Anyway, our ASA firewall. I thought I could just turn on um, uh, intrusion detection on it, but it, apparently you cannot. On a Cisco, you have to buy a separate module that goes in the back of the, of the firewall, and then that module has the circuitry on it to do all that detection. And remember we talked earlier, whatever you do on your network to detect, uh, we have web filters running, uh, you have firewalls running, now you're going to include uh, intrusion detection. Anything on your, on your network that's looking at all that traffic, it's looking at it, it's analyzing it, it's going to bottleneck your traffic. So it can affect your overall internet speed. So you have to be very careful. Make sure that you're still going to have the throughput that is greater than your overall internet speed. A lot of people try to buy a very cheap intrusion detection system and they don't realize that, you know, it's the smallest one. It was a thousand dollars. It looked like a good price, but it's only pushing 10, you know, maybe 10 megabyte throughput, but their internet connection may be a hundred megabyte throughput or 500 megabyte. Well, it's going to stop at 10 right at that intrusion detection system. So keep that in the back of your mind. The bigger the network, I always tell the school, the bigger the network, the more money we have to spend because we have a very large network with a lot of users. That is where the money is going to go. Anyway, um, sorry about the uh, camera locking up there. I did uh, correct that kind of quickly, hopefully, and we didn't lose too much of that. So, um, so comparison with firewalls. Though they both relate to network security, an intrusion detection system, IDS, differs from a firewall in that a firewall looks outwardly for intrusions in order to stop them from happening. Firewalls limit access between networks to prevent intrusions that do not signal, signal an attack from inside the network. 
An IDS evaluates and inspects intrusions once it has taken place and signals an alarm. An IDS also watches for attacks that originate from within the system. This is traditionally achieved by examining network communications, identifying, uh, looking at patterns, often known as signatures or common computer attacks, and taking action to alert operators. The system then terminates connections and is called an intrusion prevention system or as another form of application layer firewall. So you have another idea of the application layer firewall. Again, I'm just going to check the recording back there. It looks good. So we're going to go back to our show notes here and give you some of my thoughts here. So the first thing is there's, there's well, as we've seen, there's many ways to detect intrusions. The main thing is to keep your mind is to keep in mind is that you don't want to have to spend days reading reports. Unless you have a full-time security and network security officer or a network security analyst uh, working for your company, which I'm sure the banking industry does, uh, the financial industries out there do, uh, probably most hospitals, I would imagine they would. They have time and they have knowledge to pull reports in the morning from the night before and they can go through these reports and see if anything happened, if they didn't get alarmed. But basically you, if you're like me and you have one or two guys running your network um, and you're, you know, you're spending all day fixing things and correcting uh, issues on your network or correcting computer issues or helping users, then you want a system that's going to notify you. Now, by notifying you, I don't mean it's going to send you an email. How many times do you check your email day? I know with our smartphones, we probably check them a hundred times a day. But wouldn't it be better if your phone, if you set up a, a special alert on your phone, like an alarm or something, and get a text message? That way, if you hear like ding, 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 or, you know, some kind of alarm going off, you would know right away that, whoops, there's something going on on the network, and that will help you out. You'll also get that alarm when you're sleeping at night. So leave your phone by the bedside table. You can wake up, immediately jump on your laptop or computer, you can log into your network and you can immediately find out what's going on. Check your firewall and see what's happening. Somebody is probing you and you want to get that stopped. And check around for price. You don't have to spend the most money to get what you want. You just have to choose the correct solution for what you want. And that should be um, to keep the bad guys out of your network. It's very, very important. So folks, I hope you learned a little bit tonight about your networks, about intrusion prevention and detection. You can read up on that. Uh, I found some great, great articles on Wikipedia. Naturally, it's a great place to go for some resources. Get you in the feel of what it is, how it is, how to set it up. If you don't have it set up, you know, I would recommend that you look into it. Uh, a lot of people put this on way on the back burner of their network, uh, uh, network upgrades. You know, we've always kind of kept it in the forefront where you want to be notified. Um, it's probably just as important as having fiber optics to every cupboard. Uh, you know, you want to keep the good guys safe that's in your network and the bad guys out. That's very important. Folks, please remember to help me out and use my Amazon link. If you go to tipsfromtheserverroom.com, there is a Amazon link there. I put it up the other day. I changed it. It's actually a little server. I think it's a NAS system. But use it when you buy anything. If you buy a webcam like we're using for this show. If you buy microphones, maybe to record your podcast. Uh, if you buy laptops, desktops. Uh, if you buy uh, car wax for your car, uh, I had one lady one time told me, hey, I used it and I bought diapers. That's fine. 
you pay the same price, the little proceed comes back to the show, and it always, always helps me out, and I do greatly appreciate that. And if I put my headphones on it right way, I'd be better off. And folks, if you want to learn about Windows Server 2008 R2 or Windows Server 2012 or VMware ESXi 5.5 uh, server from install to administration, please sign up for one of my online courses at tipsfromtheserverroom.com. Look at the online class link at the top of the page. You click on that link and you can sign up for one of those courses. The courses are self-paced. You watch a video, take a two or three question quiz, and you're good to go. Folks, there's been thousands of people coming through these courses already. And the emails I get, often they respond with, Jack, you should be charging more. I don't. My prices have been the same uh, for at least the past three years, I think, two or three years. Uh, I charge $250 for this course. Once you sign up for the course, you are always a member. So you're out there one day, you're working on something, you go, oh, wait, I, I know I learned how to set up DNS. I know I learned how to reserve IP addresses in my DHCP, but I can't remember. You simply log back onto the course, go to that video, scroll down, pick it, watch it again, and you're good to go. And I've had folks email me and say, Jack, I can learn that on YouTube. You can. Absolutely, you can learn it. I posted free videos on YouTube so you can actually learn some of the basics. But, folks, this will take you through the whole scope from install to administering them servers. So if you want to look at, you know, something like I want to get promoted at work, you know, maybe I'm a, I'm a service tech and I want to be the server guy, you know, because uh, I don't want to work on the PCs anymore. Uh, this course can get you there. Or if you're looking for that job, put it with your resume. It's going to be that extra help you need. All employers, I know I do it when I look at resumes, I look for continued education. I want to know that you're keeping up with the latest technology. Don't ever walk in a job and say, well, I learned Windows NT 4.0. That's not going to cut it, folks. You want to learn this stuff, and you want to learn it, and you don't want to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on those courses out there where they mail you a bunch of CDs in the mail, and you watch the videos on your computer, and you fall asleep, or you put your feet up and read the paper. These courses will keep you on task. So once again, check those out at tipsfromtheserverroom.com. Folks, I had a great time talking to you tonight. Keep downloading those shows. I do appreciate all the downloads out there. Uh, when I look at that number and see, you know, a couple thousand or so every week of you out there downloading these shows and listening to them. And I see how many people watch the video on YouTube. Hopefully this video came out tonight where you can actually see it with the camera locking up. I'll have to look at that. Um, hopefully everything will be good to go. And you can watch this video over and over. Thanks for, uh, again, for subscribing and downloading the shows. And I will talk to you next Tuesday night right here at Tips from the Server Room. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye for now.